Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great tasting all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to symbiotica.com. That's C Y M B I O T I K A. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids, you know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. NPS CSAT Average Handling Time. Sometimes taking your brand's customer experience to the next level can seem like an uphill battle filled with thorny metrics challenges. But it doesn't have to be that way, thanks to Ubiquity. If you have call volume surges, seasonal staffing fluctuations, or new service offerings, fill these holes with Ubiquity, a partner you can count on. Receive a free customized consultation at Ubiquity.com. That's U-B-I-Q-U-I-T-Y.com. Peace to the planet, Charlemagne the God here, and you don't want to miss Hello Somebody with Senator Nina Turner on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I love Hello Somebody simply because I love Nina Turner. She's fearless. I'm Nina Turner, hell-raising humanitarian, sister in the struggle, and recovering elected official. Listen to Hello Somebody every Thursday on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, what's up? It's your man Carlos Miller of the 85 South Show. Do me a favor. Make sure you check out the Black Market, hosted by me, only on the 85 South Show feed. Subscribe to the 85 South Show to hear and tune in to the Black Market. Hear amazing interviews with entrepreneurs, creatives, and thought leaders, people who are doing amazing things in the Black community. Listen to the Black Market on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money-Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money-Making Conversations. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. 
Like I tell everybody every week, it's time to stop reading other people's success stories and actually start writing your own. And I always tell people to lead with your gifts. You hear people talk about their gifts. They talk about their passion. Well, stop talking about it. Lead with it. And don't let your age, friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. My interviews I bring on Money Making Conversations are for you. I give you access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and what I like to call industry decision makers. My next guest is a dear friend, Bill Duke. Bill Duke is an actor, director, and producer in Hollywood, more than 40 years of experience on screen and behind the camera. Duke is currently starred in Steven Soderbergh's new crime drama, No Sudden Mood, debating July 1st on HBO Max, which I do have that. I will be watching him July 1st. His acting credits include recent television and feature film roles in shows like Black Lightning. I love him on Black Lightning. That's my crew over there. The Oval and the critically acclaimed film Mandy and other movies like High Flying Bird. He's also known for roles in Predator. Y'all remember him in Predator? I remember in Predator now. You know, couldn't see nothing. American Gigolo, Car Wash. Car Wash! Come on now. Action Jackson, Commando. Woo! Ministers of Sight, boy. Ministers of Sight, boy, that was hard. That Bird on the Wire, Get Rich or Die Trying, X-Men 3, and many more film and TV projects. He's on the show to talk about the movie which we had just said, Southern, <clears throat> No Southern Move, the Duke Media Foundation, which I really want to talk about, and You Unite Network. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation again. He is a Sigma by trade, my man, Bill Duke. <laughs> Always good to see you. Hey, Bill Duke. You know, when me and you, we jerk off air because I'm a member of Omega Sci Five. And I always tell people this, man, on the real. I tell people I, I played where I was in college and it changed my life. It changed my life. And fraternities in general, I talk about fraternities. Look at it. See, see, Sigma, you don't point at Sigma like I can't see. Oh, blue and white. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I always tell people because a lot of people think that fraternities and sorority is about partying, it's about, uh, it's about having a good time. But really, the, the, being in the fraternity changed my perspective. It gave me a, a clear understanding of the community. And I just wanted to bring that up because, you know, we both are passionate about our fraternities. And uh, and we always are telling people the value of fraternity. Talk about being a member of Sigma, of your of your organization, Phi Beta Sigma. Well, first of all, it's a, it's, I'm very happy to be a part of it. And as you say, uh, many, many people think about fraternities as partying, yeah, people party from time to time, but that's not the foundation of it. The foundation of it is a collaboration of brothers coming together to really discuss and take action on issues that we face as a culture in our community, uh, from business to whatever, politics. But to have a discussion, a, and we don't have to agree on everything, but we have mutual respect for each other and the fact that we can honestly say what we feel without being judged. You know, and that's that's uh, those those statements that you say. Uh, I, I, I echo those statements, but in it because of, again, you know, it gives you a sense of balance, and that's why I say, you know, when you want to go out in the community, because you know, even though you're an actor, you're a director, you produce many projects, it's about your brand, and your brand is entertainment, and yes. in, in entertainment, it does allow you to capture people's attention, and when you capture people's attention, it can allow you to go and. And I'll shape their minds, shape their experiences. And uh, I know we're on the show to talk about, you know, the movie that you're starring in, the July 1st, it's going to be on HBO Max. But Bill Duke, when you talk about your Duke Media Foundation, tell us why it's important and why did you start it? Well, um, it's the same reason I started my network. Um, we, 
our generations, I think, have an obligation to leave something for our children that is better than what we inherited and what we are in today. We are in a day of division um, from the COVID to politics to race. Um, what are we leaving our children? And that is the real question because we have to leave them something that gives them hope. And so I created my foundation. We teach basically two things, uh, media literacy for young people who are coming into the business and really want to understand what the business of the industry really is and how it's changing. We went from film and television to media. Right. When I, when I came up, and I say this all the time, I had one of the first cell phones, and I think you did too, my brother. Do you remember the size of it? Absolutely. Come on now. Come on now. Am I exaggerating? No, I'm holding it next to my head. I had to use two hands. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it had a box with it. Remember the box it had with it? it that, was the, 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 that was like our first purse, remember? It looked like a purse. <laughs> it had a strap on the shoulder. You had to hold it there. It was like a metal detector, really. You know, <laughs> That's, right. That's right. And we thought we were cool, man. We thought we were the, the, the stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and there was no internet then. And so... I, I try to talk to them about the evolution of things with young people from those times to what they have now mm -hmm. and how they can leverage it to their benefit mm -hmm. uh, for their brands. Not just be an actor or a director, but what do you believe in? What is your brand and how are you going to fight for it? And learn the technology, learn the disciplines that go along with that. So we teach them financial literacy. Um, and we'll talk about more today, I'm sure, but... Right. There are people, and you and I both know this for a fact, that make $100 million or more, my brother, mm -hmm. go broke. Right. Mm -hmm. How do you make $100 million mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and go broke? Right. Mm -hmm. Because people teach you how to spend a dollar, right. mm -hmm. but not how to use a dollar. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we teach young people, what is the FDIC? What is the Federal Reserve? What is banking? What, right. is, what is compound interest? What is savings? What is debt? Mm -hmm. What is the stock market? What are bonds? You know, what are, you know, stocks? So, so the thing is that we give them an understanding of what money is, how it's used, and how you can use it to your own benefit. Not just spend it, but use it. Mm -hmm. We know that the beauty of knowledge, and that's what you're teaching too, knowledge, because without knowledge, then you became either go backwards or you remain stationary. And that mm -hmm. was, was always impacts the black community because we're always battling and fighting for education. We always battling and fighting for opportunity. Same thing happened with the COVID-19 when it hit. Who did it affect? African-Americans and people of color. Why? least educated, uh, we're living in living conditions, mass transit situations, and also naturally poor dieting situations. And so then that becomes, why is that important? And why is it important to know what a bank account is? Why is it know what percentages are? Why is it know if you're in a district that's going to, you know, do unfair housing on you? You know, we continually can't get ahead because we're spending a different dollar. And that's what you're trying to say right now in this interview. Correct, Bill Duke? Yes, sir. I'm trying to get us to understand what money is and how we can use it to our benefit. And that's what we teach the young people in our foundation. Because if I'm just saying we as a culture have to do it ourselves 
we can't depend upon others doing it for us. And so the men and women in our community have to pass on what we've learned from our mistakes right? so that our young people don't make the same mistakes. Well, you know, I, when, you know, when I look through my life, you know, I would say that I have made mistakes, but I don't know if they're mistakes or the experiences, because if you learn from it, then it's not a mistake. But mm-hmm. if you continue to make the same mistake, then there's a problem because you didn't learn. And so mm-hmm. I've advanced myself based that's on that's called politics. Politics is called that's called being able to uh, <laughs> to 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 negotiate the right situation because you know yourself, Bill. Your your career has been tied to relationships. Your career has been tied to people extending a hand either by surprise or one that you made sure you was in the position to shake. And that's what also in the financial world that you're teaching that you have to let black people understand. I talk about it all the time. We can talk a little Hollywood talk. It's like I've I've been in Hollywood since 1992. Okay, first writing job. I did stand up comic prior to that. And I used to always see these white producers go on meetings while they were working. They have a writer job. They go they looking for another job, establishing relationships. We don't think like that. And if they got terminated or the contract didn't get extended, they shook their hands and said, thank you for the opportunity. Instead of traditionally, African-Americans, people of color, get mad, frustrated, pointing fingers. Okay, guess what? You blown that relationship. The relationship is that things don't always go the way you plan. Act like it. Okay? Understand the value of your money. Am I wrong in these assessments that I'm making to build do? You are brilliantly putting it together. Um, <clears throat> Malcolm X said something. He said two things that I learned a lot from. First, he said, don't be playing checkers in a chess game. Yes. And number two, he said, no matter how good a football player you are, if the name of the game is baseball, you better get yourself a damn bat. <laughs> Absolutely. Because your competition is going to say, you're a good, you're a good, good, good little football player. Keep running around them bases. You're good. Right, right, right. But... And by they, well, they, well, they hitting home runs with bats. Right, right. So we have to be, begin to understand the game how it's played, what the rules are. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can make our own game also. But the fact of the matter is, is that we have to study, be knowledgeable, take the time to learn and understand the, the, the business. You know, uh, I know you're on my show here today, Money Making Conversation, Bill Duke, talk about No Sudden Move, just debating July 1st on HBO Max and, you know, the brilliant producer, director, Steven Soderbergh. But prior to our... Uh, Going on the air, you mentioned the word bid whiz. You know, teach, like, you, yeah, like, like that, like, did, did, did you not mention that to me? Yes, I mentioned bid whiz, uh, and, and they send people to Boston on trains uh, when they lose. And I, I, when people play me, they learn from me. I teach. So, I, so you know, anytime you're ready, I'm going to teach. I love my young students. And, and anytime. Let me know, okay? I'll fly it, okay? Hey, hey, Bill, hey, Bill, what you ain't gonna do with me, man? See, what you ain't do is fly me in, whoop my butt, and then fly me back. And I, see, that ain't happening like that because that gives you more smack brown, okay? <laughs> I'm gonna fly myself in. Bill, 
See, see, people don't know Bill like I know Bill. See, they just see that little dark character, you know, sinister, you know, don't ever smile. You walk in a room, he might shoot you, knife you, you know, send you to hell, burn. That's the Bill y'all know on movies and TV. This is the Bill I know right here, you know, smack talk off air, laughing all the time. Uh, 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 go, go, go tell me. I come from Fifth Ward, Texas. I grew up with nothing but black people. He gonna ask me off air. Uh, have you ever heard of Bill Wiz? This is like asking me, do I know Domino's? See, you can't insult me like that no more, Bill, dude. Man, you're going to have problems. Take it personally. I was just exploring, you know? I was asking you a question of a brother. Right, right, right. You know, sure that he was a real brother. Brother the brother, right. There was the brother the brother conversation. Brother conversation. Okay, cool. Okay, I, I just had to bring that up in the middle of this very important interview about our relationship. And it's still intact. It's still strong. Yeah. And we're going to keep winning. Now, let's get back to the movie. That's why you brought the came Don Cheadle. Anything I see with Don Cheadle, I know straight up going to be serious. Yes. Talk about the movie. Talk about your involvement. You worked with Steven before in other movie projects. So it's the relationship there. Talk about your involvement in this movie. First of all, I want to thank Steven for putting me in the movie. I, I worked with him on you know, the limey, high-flying bird, and this is my third film working with him. And working with Matt Damon and Don Cheadle was a blessing, a mm -hmm. gift. We had a great time. Don Cheadle, as you said, serious films, but he is one of the, on set one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. Mm -hmm. He has an incredible sense of humor, a great heart, just great people, you know. And making the movie, we're in Detroit. By the way, I've said this before, Detroit is changing. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're really cleaning the city up. They're mm -hmm. restoring the old, like, the, you know, the older historical buildings, like churches, et cetera. And it was great to see the city come back to life and then move beyond that. It's like really some good things are happening there. Absolutely, besides great food. Now, we just said Don Cheadle and Matt Damon got Ray Liotta in there, John Hamm, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Brendan Fraser, David Arbor. Benicio Del Toro. Come on now, man. That's a who's who of great acting. A lot of people. A lot of people. When you get in a room like that, Bill, because, you know, it's all like a good basketball team. You know, you, you see all these good basketball players. You want to make sure your free throws are right, your jump shot right, you're grabbing the rebound. How do you approach that when you're in the scene with talented other people? Does a, does a, I got to get my act together. I got to make sure I'm on point. Or do you, do you, do you, do you talk to them prior to a scene? How does one approach that if you're a young person breaking into the business? Well, if you're a young person breaking into the business, uh, it's called show business. Mm -hmm. And the business part is about relationships. Mm -hmm. And so you have to put your, you know, Wayne Dyer says every day we have one of two choices. We can be a host to God or a hostage to our ego. In uh, this business, if you're a hostage to your ego, some people get away with it. But for us, as a culture, I think that's a real bad idea. Mm -hmm. I think establishing relationships uh, and honing your craft, because acting and directing are crafts, so is writing. Mm -hmm. While other people are out partying, you should be home studying, learning, because when you party, you've accomplished something. It's called a celebration. So the thing is, is that we have to really start taking it seriously. Today, we're saying before, when life came into business, there was no internet. There was no social media. Young people today 
yeah, pictures are important, but if you're in an acting class, which you all should be in, and you're working on two or three scenes with other actors right. for the class, then what you should do is, if you want a picture plus a, tr a reel, film with your cell phone the scene that you're rehearsing. Right. You can cut that scene on your computer. Right. And edit, edit it. So you don't have to wait to be discovered. You can, you can discover your, look, look at Issa Rae, for example. She started off with like, you know, podcasts and- Yep, a web and, series. Mm -hmm. That's right, web, webisodes and so did, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Start off with webisodes, been on the air for nine years. So those people, they, they stopped waiting. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. Well, I think that when you when you look at about, a lot of people do wait too long. They want that, that I always tell people waiting on the lottery. You know, they wait on that opportunity. They really do think it works in Hollywood. You're going to walk down the street and somebody's going to tap you on the shoulder. That is not how it works. That is, you may have heard that story, but that's that's a, that's like winning the lottery. There are people who do win the lottery. This is going to tap you on the shoulder. Hmm? You know, you know who's going to tap you on the shoulder? person tell you get out the way because they want to get in front of you. <laughs> That's right. It's called rejection. Yeah, absolutely. And that gets tapped a lot. That's a lot of people understand about entertainment. <laughs> you know, because you know this for a fact, Bill, going in in a, in a movie like this, and let's give you a little bit more background on No Sudden Move. This is a British story which takes place in 1954 in a racially charged Detroit. And we know Detroit has always been a, a community where where, where the police has an issue, it was pro-black, you know, Motown was there, a group of small-time criminals who are hired under mysterious circumstances to steal what they think is a simple document. They file up the master plan, and guess what? It all goes, as they say, to hell. And you include all these situations. So you have black people and white people trying to work together in 1954. Right there, that tells you it's going to be intense because you know you're dealing with... Uh, high levels of racial prejudice, and also uh, black people just can't move around like white people can back then. That's right. So That's how right. Does, what role do you play in all of this, Bill Duke? Well, uh, you, you, you so brilliantly and accurately described the conditions of the time. Uh, and um, in those days, mm -hmm. uh, you had confrontations based upon race and social positions right so uh, if, if you were black you had to be able as i said before to be able to play chess in the chess game so mm -hmm. if they you know had negotiators with them you have to negotiate mm -hmm. if the negotiations didn't go well and they had guns you had to have guns yes so you know you, you could not negotiate with with someone who felt you were weak and unprepared. The only way you could negotiate with them is to look them in the eye and they understood the consequences of disrespecting you. Mm -hmm. So I play the head of the black gang mm -hmm. and um, we negotiate over some issues that I don't want to give away now. Absolutely. Give a movie away, but we are negotiators and they don't expect us to be that and they're surprised by it, but they do negotiate with us. Now, let, you know, when you look at movies, because we've seen how COVID has changed the game and also streaming networks, Netflix, Amazon, you know, Hulu, Disney Plus have changed the game. They open in movies that are open in the theater, open it online and streaming and all, all they're doing them simul, 
simulcast it. They did the simulcastically. They like they did with Cruella. Cruella opened in the theater as well as on Disney Plus, and it's been a premium network. So, have you seen the uh, a change in the quality? Or it doesn't matter. They still producing high quality movies, even for streaming as well as for the big theaters. Some of them are high quality, and some of them are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people are given cameras to make movies, and they they've never studied directing. They've never studied writing or anything because mm-hmm. of the relationship they have with a relative, mm-hmm. somebody who has money. But I, 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 I still believe in people who take the time to study their discipline. Right. But I'm not going to say it's easy. It's not. But <clears throat> you have to know, you know, you have to read books, you know. You have to, you know, you, you have to be able to understand structure, not only the... Uh, the structure of the movie, but what is character structure? Right. You know, what is the beginning, middle, and end of a movie? What is the storyline? What is the character line? How do you hook people in emotionally mm-hmm. to what you're talking about? Those are crafts and skills that should be studied, you know? And there are books and schools you can go to, um, you know, that, you know, the, one of the great books uh, by Joseph Campbell's A Hero with a Thousand Faces. Mm-hmm. Even Spielberg, all those people use a hero with a thousand faces, and so do I. Mm-hmm. Another great book is by Michelli, The Five Seas of Cinematography. It's another, it's another great book. You know, um, another great uh, 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 book is, you know, Sun Tzu wrote, wrote The Art of War. Right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the War of Art is another great book. Mm-hmm. It talks mm-hmm. about how we procrastinate. <laughs> and make excuses for not doing what we know we should be doing and what are the patterns of that and how to get out of that. So studying our craft, studying things, I think is very important for young people to come in. Cool. Uh, no Sudden Moves. I'm talking to Bill Duke about the movie that premieres July 1st on uh, HBO Max. Uh, it's a gritty movie. It's set in 1954. It's about black people, white people. You know, there were no uh, video phones back there. You know, uh, police violence still existed. It has existed all our lives as an African-American. We know that. But when you look at what you've done, I talked about the Duke Media Foundation. I talked about that. But I also want to shift before we get off the air and talk about You Unite, Unite Network, that uh, I believe starts July 21st, but you said it's up and running uh, June 10th. Talk about the purpose of that and why the importance of the Unite Network. That's why well, I first, you Unite. First of all, you will have the, the page of the... Um, of our of our efforts up in on June tenth, mm-hmm. and, and on the first week in July, uh, we will have our really serious uh, soft launch. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm putting the network together because I have children in my life. I have a goddaughter. I have children that I love, godsons, sons, and I think we have a responsibility to leave them something called hope right and right now when you turn the news on it's all bad i mean we're being divided in ways that we've always been a divided country racially etc but now taking a whole other level with the covid with racism with the politics uh, we're being divided and division is only going to leave chaos for our children so i in my network instead of the bad news and all the negativity what we report are all the good things that are happening in this world. There are people 
around the world that are doing great. There's a program, and I wish people would watch it once a year on CNN called CNN Heroes. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen it? Mm-hmm. It's a show about absolutely in, individuals who are doing good. Mm-hmm. And that's what should be reported. So I have a network that really is devoted to leave hope for our children, to give them a, a historical context of all the sacrifices that have been made so they could be here today and do what they do. And so we, we have a number of different programs on the network. Uh, I have the support from people like Anthony Anderson, Cedric the Entertainer, um, a lot of good folks. And so we're launching it and we hope people check it out. Well, you know, that, uh, you know that, was a, that was a Q and a Kappa right there, you know. There were no Sigma. Now, any, any, any Sigmas helping you out in your deal there? I'm just saying, you know, there was some other fraternity members there that, that you just mentioned there, Mr. Bill Duke. You know, I'm just letting you know that, you know. There are some, some Sigmas that Oh, support. okay, okay. But you just and, didn't mention them there, though, Bill. You didn't mention them, though, Bill. I, I, no, no, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> I, have total, I have total respect. I understand your, your position. You have a very position. I understand your position, okay? That all, is that all good? I love you, man. I love it, man. Again, <laughs> July 1st, man, HBO Max, uh, Steve Soderbergh, casting the amazing cast, Don Cheadle, uh, Matt Damon, Ray Liotta, John Hamm, Brendan Fraser, and most importantly, Benicio Del Toro. Most important, my man, Bill Duke, back on the screen. <laughs> Big screen, small screen. I love him always, man, because that smile's amazing. His personality is dynamic. And I will be flying myself into Los Angeles, Cali, to beat you and bid with, young man. Hear me on that, okay? Guess what? Yes, sir. I'm going to send you a bus to Boston. <laughs> From L.A.? <laughs> I love you, man. You stay strong, Bill Duke, okay? Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. We will be right back with more money-making conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald. You are now tuned into the Money Making Conversations, Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald. Tia Maori, the star of Family Reunion, recalls spending years being incorrectly treated for her debilitating abdominal pain. This experience inspired Tia to sell healthy vitamin supplements. I decided to come out with a supplement line called Answer to encourage and to inspire women to take back and charge of their health. It's called Answer, insinuating you are the answer. After my surgeries with endometriosis, my doctor was like, yo, Tia, there's nothing I can do. You kind of have to start looking at your lifestyle. And that's exactly what I did. And I want to encourage other women and people to do the same. We have a women's multi. We have an elderberry. We have a kid's gummy. We have a men's line. Mm -hmm. We're going to be coming coming out with several other amazing um, supplements. If you want to hear this full interview with Tia Maori, visit moneymakingconversation.com. Keep winning. It's finally here, the season of celebration. And no matter how you celebrate with family and friends, whether you're preparing for Reyes Magos or Karamu, lighting the menorah, or going to midnight mass, Kohl's has just what you need to make those traditions special. Plus, you'll find gifts for all your loved ones. Send warm wishes with cozy fleeces, sweaters, loungewear, blankets, and throws. Support minority-owned or founded brands by giving gifts from Human Nation and Shea Moisture. Or treat them to everyone's favorite activewear from top brands like Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour. And in the spirit of giving, Kohl's Cares is donating $8 million to local nonprofits nationwide committed to the health and well-being of our communities. 
No matter how you celebrate, when you shop at Kohl's, you're right where you belong. So this season, give with all your heart with great gifts from Kohl's or Kohl's.com. Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure and pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide to this fascinating world. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Money-Making Conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald. My next guest is an industry decision maker. Her name is Deanna Williams. She is an entertainment powerhouse who is a beloved advocate and authority in black music. The legendary on-air personality is a trailblazer in broadcasting, music activism, and celebrity media strategy. Her celebrity clientele includes Grammy Award winners, executives, actors, and athletes. Some notable names of clients include Rihanna, Charlie Wilson, got another hit song out now, Janelle Monae, she acts too now, if y'all don't know about her, just to name a few. She's also serving on the board of the National Museum of African American Music in Nashville. That is why she's on the show, among other wonderful things we're going to talk about, because this is Black Music Month, where she chairs the Music Industry Relations Collective. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, the mother of Black Music Month, Deanna Williams. <laughs> I, saw, I thought I'd sneak that in on your girlfriend. I love that. I'm also an actual biological mother of three children, but I like that. You snuck it in. John, you look... Here we go. Old school. Sharp as a tack. Thank you. I, I appreciate that because I'm trying to go down there. I'm trying to, I'm trying to maintain because I, I you, the, the, my world is so crazy. It's so busy. I'm pulled in so many different directions. When I, this is kind of like calming when I do these interviews with people I care about, people I respect and giving you a voice in this business. And sometimes because of the fact that, you know, whether you're playing music, we don't know you. And then we, I try to pull back that curtain and let, let people understand that the different layers that you have currently and then some of the things you position us to to celebrate currently and then today to this week especially today in 1979 42 years ago you know you went to jimmy carter white yeah, house yeah actually kenny gamble and i were mm-hmm. dressing we were home excited that mm-hmm. a dream that Gamble initiated with mm-hmm. the conception of Black Music Month. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were on our way to the White House to participate in a picnic on the South Lawn of the White House mm-hmm. that President and Rosalind Carter hosted for 200 members, primarily of the Black Music Association, mm-hmm. with performances by Billy Eckstein, Chuck Berry, Andre Crouch, Sarah Jordan Powell, uh, Evelyn Champagne King, <laughs> MFSB under the direction of Dexter Wanzel. It was a heady day. Mm-hmm. I was a young girl. I was excited. 
it was wonderful. So today is the actual 42nd anniversary, as you mentioned, Rashawn. Well, you know, the importance of music, wow. When I think about music, and especially in the African-American community, you know, how music is such an emotional, is, is used to motivate people, is used to inspire uh, sports, sport, sporting events. It's used in weddings, it's used at funeral or uh, uh, celebrations uh, and some of just to just to set the tone on the elevator talk about us about music why is why does music resonate so much in a person's life lifestyle period yes great great question i think all music resonates but my focus and concentration is on black music america's indigenous music right. art forms established here in the United States, from the blues to gospel to American classical, which is jazz, R&B, rock and roll, people, rock and roll <laughs> created by mm-hmm. uh, Rosetta Thorpe, mm-hmm. Chuck Berry, Bo Diddley, don't get it twisted, Elvis was an imitator, not mm-hmm. the originator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we have a rich legacy in America with this majestic various genres. And what's important too, Rashawn, is that, you know, when you're talking about money making matters, well, Black music generates billions Mm -hmm. of dollars Mm -hmm. annually. Mm -hmm. And right now the number one genre in the world happens to be hip hop. Mm -hmm. So music and Black music in particular is a universal language that is felt, if not overstood, billions on the planet. You know, that, that when you say hip-hop, you know, say, you know, because I grew up, you know, I grew up to, you know, the 45 single, you know, uh, with the Franklin, uh, the OJs, and then the mothership landed, you know. The, George Clinton. Oh, my God. When he landed, he changed the whole music, you know. That's when bands existed. Now you don't see bands anymore like you used to. Talk about that little transition from, because I, I mean, when I was growing up in college, you know, it was nothing for me to see eight to ten guys on stage. Even local bands were like that deep. It was like enjoying that moment. Then it, then hip-hop came away and the instruments went away and the DJ replaced them. And now I don't see that at all anymore. Any musicians? Well, blame it on technology mm-hmm. with the invention of garage band and pro tools. Mm-hmm. People were able to have a computer, a laptop in their home and be able to access all the instruments. And also the demise in many school districts of Music. I, I don't know about you, but I remember when I was growing yes. up in Manhattan, in Harlem and Washington Heights, we had to take band. Mm-hmm. We had to mm-hmm. have gym. These were mm-hmm. required subjects. Mm-hmm. However, now many school districts, because of economics, have cut back mm-hmm. music programming. So I would blame the lack of bands. And mind you, there are still some bands, mm-hmm. but not what century are we talking about? Mm-hmm. You and I grew up in the 20th century. Right, so right. our mm-hmm. generation, we had no choice but to play instruments and to sing. Uh, but now with the technology, things have changed immensely. And as you mentioned, the rise of hip hop, you don't you don't need a full band. No. It's a, a DJ and the MC. Right. And the hype man. Gotta gotta include that hype man. Gotta, gotta set the gotta, gotta set the stage. Flavor play. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have no talent, but hype is their their talent. Now when we look at music and I look at my life tied to music, I, I can tell you it's certain songs right now, you know, because you know, music videos played a major role in in our visual part of music, you know, because now I will go to a music video. Uh, in certain parts of my life, I go to, if I hear a song, I go to a party. Uh, 
If I, I go to, if I hear Brick House, I know exactly. I was at a frat party right now. I can, I can see, if I hear that song, I know exactly. If I had Zoom, I would go to a pool party where I was trying to sing. I know exactly where I was at. I remember when, when, when P-Funk landed, I was on the basketball court. trying. And the basketball was so cold that I almost broke my fingers when they passed me the ball. All these things are so important. So now we get into June being Black, Black Music Month. And then you guys went to uh, President Carter at the time. What was the inspiration behind that, Deanna? Okay. The inspiration was Kenny Gamble, who is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with his partner, Leon A. Huff. They are the co-architects, along with Tom Bell, of TSOP, The Sound of Philadelphia. Absolutely. Gamble visited Nashville and saw what the Country Music Association was doing in terms of branding, not just a genre, country music, but also a city, and thought, hmm, we need to do that. So he came back and established the Black Music Association, mm -hmm. the BMA. And from that, he conceived of a month, much like we have February Black History Month and mm -hmm. other months that mm -hmm. put a focus and highlight on different things, Cancer Awareness Month, HIV mm -hmm. Awareness Month, uh, Asian Pacific, you know, all of those months are an opportunity to highlight right. and celebrate the individuals involved in that month. So Black Music Month, he uh, reached out to Clarence Avant, who reached out to the White House and President Carter's administration. And hence the first celebration of June Black Music Month took place June 7th, 1979. Wow. And so that was the origin story of uh, that is what happened. And Gamble and I were a couple at that time. We have three beautiful adult children <laughs> and a very handsome six and a half year old who came over here and broke some of my art the other day. <laughs> um, but that was the beginning. And he and I were a couple at the time. So in the Black Music Association, I worked to get Black Music Month work hard to get it recognized. And it wasn't until 2000 that President Bill Clinton, after I lobbied Congress for three years, mm -hmm. uh, officially recognized it in the American government and from the perspective of the White House. So every American president since Bill Clinton has signed a proclamation. Uh, president Biden just released his recently mm -hmm. recognizing June as Black Music Month. You know, it's really interesting you say that because I, you know, I've been fortunate to be a part of radio in the early 90s and Houston Magic 102. And I didn't, you know, I know it was 79 it, 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 it had been recognized, but I didn't get a feel for it until 2000 when Steve Harvey and I was on radio on 92.3 to beat in LA. And then all of a sudden it became like, you know, Advertisers wanted to advertise during Black Music Month, and then you start having events tied to that in Black Music Month. And so when you when you when you said something notably that you know Gamble he went to Nashville, he saw what they were doing with country and Western music. Now the National Museum of African American Music is in Nashville. I'm, just, I'm, trying, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to figure this out. Here we go. What I didn't know when I first accepted involvement with the museum, uh -huh. and the acronym is NAMAM, mm -hmm. I didn't realize that Nashville has such a rich legacy and history as pertained to Black music. Absolutely. In gospel music, mm -hmm. in R&B and rock. Jimi Hendrix lived in Nashville for a period of time. Uh, last I checked, he was a big time rocker, uh, mm -hmm. one of the fathers of rock music. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Nashville, it just happened to be the city where the private sector, wealthy individuals, government, the city, as well as the state government came together 
And it's a 22 year in the making project, which is astonishing. I've only been involved the last seven years, Mm -hmm. but you figure when I first got involved, I was looking at blueprints. Right. Now, as about a month ago, I walked into a fabulous, modern, very contemporary American history museum that is dealing with our contributions to all genres, starting in 1619, when enslaved Africans were kidnapped and brought to the shores of what is now the United States of America. So yes, we're in Nashville, in the heart of now. And listen, you've got to come as my guest. I'm inviting you all to come uh, because it is amazing. I literally cried the first five minutes that I was in the lobby of the museum. It is spectacular. Seven galleries, over 56,000 square feet. Wow. And galleries filled with artifacts and information and inspiration about our contribution to global culture. Well, you know, I, I would, when you say you're moved to tears, I would have to believe that's an honest statement because you've been so associated with music. And it, like I said, music is tied to memories. And exactly. and I know when you, in, in, in your case, you played music, some of these artists' music. You've been on stage. You've introduced these artists. You've had lunch, dinner, shared great, you know, celebration stories and sad, disappointing stories. What was the most? What was the biggest takeaway when you walked into the museum, which is now based in Nashville and is open? Uh, you know, the ceremonies. Gonna, we're going to talk about the ceremonies in a minute, and the notables who are going to be there. But talk about that moment, really, because. I have to believe it was really breathtaking for you and also in a level of disbelief, Deanna. Well, the, the, the disbelief, not so much because we all worked very hard. Mm-hmm. I worked, I chaired, co-chaired mm-hmm. uh, with Phil Thornton, two functions where we raised money for the museum, but more astonishment at what we can do when we really apply ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because again, this was a, a, an idea at some point. Right. And it snowballed and... So what was my big takeaway from the museum is that we are wealthy. Black folks, we are wealthy mm-hmm. in creativity, mm-hmm. and it is obvious and demonstrated in this museum. And as a woman who has dedicated, I've dedicated my entire life to the promotion, <laughs> perpetuation, the preservation of Black music. Uh, we our, our slogan now is Black music has a home. And I feel wow, like awesome. my work is in that building. A great deal of my work is in that building. So I am uh, elated to be involved and I'm encouraging everyone to come and get that emotional feeling. If you look and go to uh, National Museum of African American Music, Mm -hmm. Mm name you'll see videos, you'll see images, and you'll also see testimonies from families that have visited the museum and had a very visceral experience, much like I did when I first visited. I know that I talked to Sheila Eldridge, that's uh, the creator and executive producer of Cafe Mocha. I know she told me that radio uh, was hosted by Lonnie Love and uh, Angelique and uh, Yo-Yo. They're going to be doing that broadcasting. And then uh, June 17th is the grand opening where, you know, you'll be honoring Quincy Jones, Lionel Richie, Smokey Robinson, Shaka Khan, the Fist Jubilee Singers, gospel legends right there. So when you start a, a, a grand opening celebration with Quincy Jones, then you slide over to Easy. That's I said Zoom, Lyle Richie. Then Smokey Robinson cruising, you know, shaka, shaka, come, shaka, come on now. You know 
is some history walking out. And that's just some of the names that are just being mentioned in this press release. But yeah. talk about the grand opening, which is June 17th. That whole weekend is like a just a just a each day has a, a forward moving to the next day. Talk about that because I'm sure that's the weekend you want me to come down. Well, you want me to come yeah, down that weekend? We want you to come. I okay, okay, cool. Come. I'm coming and, down that weekend. I got both my COVID shots. I, I'm still going to wear my mask, but I got both my COVID shots. I'm going to be down there so I can hug you. <laughs> come on, honey. Let's go. I want you to come. Yes, you mentioned our, our esteemed honorees. These are all people who have made, when we talk about sizable contributions to our music and our lives and our memories, all mm-hmm. of those individuals that you mentioned. And I think I should also say that Angela Yee from The Breakfast Club, who is part of my Music Industry Relations Collective, is going to be hosting that evening. And the Fist Jubilee Singers were the first global ambassadors of Black music around the world. They were super popular mm-hmm. and um, you know well-received in Europe. So we're honoring the legacy of the Fist Jubilee Singers as well. And I want to shout out our president and CEO, Henry Beecher Hicks III, who has done a phenomenal job as a leader moving us towards this day. We had an actual ribbon cutting back on uh, MLK Junior Day, mm-hmm. but the official grand opening, of course, uh, restricted uh, opening earlier this year because of COVID. Right. And now that people like you, me, mm-hmm. are getting vaccinated, uh, we are opening the doors to the museum. And our block party will also be the day of Juneteenth, and we're celebrating Juneteenth and inviting the community to come in and see the museum. Now, uh, i got to ask all these questions. Is there a fee? Are there donations you have to give to enter the museum? Yes, in general, there are. And Mm -hmm. and again, people can go to blackmusicmuseum.com. It's Mm -hmm. very reasonable if you become a member. Obviously, it changes Mm -hmm. uh, the membership. However, during this weekend of the grand opening, the museum is going to be open on the block party day when we're celebrating Juneteenth and open to the community at large. But there is a fee. And the day that I was there, my first visit to the museum after, you know, seeing it just dirt and the construction process, I live in Philly, so I go to Nashville for our board meetings. Uh, It was quite amazing to see the construction and the completion of the museum. But children, school groups were there Mm -hmm. the day and and just tons of them. Mm -hmm. And it really warmed my heart because this museum is for families. It's for everyone. It's not just for black folks. I want to go on the record and say, you have a pulse, you have a heartbeat. This (laughs) museum is for you, seriously, because the reality is most of us, all of us, regardless to your musical preference, as you stated at the outset of our conversation, Mm -hmm. Black music is an integral part of our experience here on this planet, not just here in America, but around the world. So our expectation is that we will be an international donation uh, location uh, expecting people from everywhere to come see. Well, this is, this is pretty amazing. When I, when I, when I look at you and I talk, first of all, uh, this this boy got a lot of the great talkers. Like you, a great talker. Phil Thornton is a great talker. Then you told me Hicks. I didn't know then he was part of highest ranking black man. Oh my One god! One of our highest ranking black man is joining our board. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Vince Gill, country artist, is joining our board. Fantastic. Um, just you know, some pretty dynamic people are have signed up. Monique Adlet, some great folks. So I'm honored to serve on this board. I want to I want to pivot a little bit about you as a strategist, as a, as a media planner, as a person, uh, as they say, a whisperer, a whisperer. 
<laughs> because New York Times. Thank you for that, New York Times. You know, the thing about it when I because I've been fortunate to manage talent, write talent, produce talent, and you know, every talent is different. And I think when a lot of people make a mistake, especially agencies, they try to sign up a bunch of people and then they try to treat them all the same. And you know that's not the case. You know, it'll be successful with anybody. You have to hear their story, hear their pain, hear their joy, and then try to disseminate the right course of action for that person. So when it comes to that, because as a strategist, you really are a manager too, because I know you and I need to sit down and talk about some projects because we have a similar lane that we always cross when it comes to strategy. And people ask me all the time, how, I'm, how can I generate so much success for certain people? First of all, I always tell them they have to be talented. One. Secondly, they have to be willing to work hard because you, like myself, Deanna, you're a hard worker. You know, 24 hours in a day is 24 hours a day. You're going to use every hour in it. And and the other person is that I think in my side of it, they have to be a caring person. They have to care about something. And those three qualities are the type of qualities that I work hard for because I care about people. I'm a hard worker. And then I'm also I have a, a, a strong belief in my talent that I want to share with that person to 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 develop their talent. What are your thoughts when you talk to, when people approach you or you approach them about your strategy planning? Well, I've had the blessing, as you mentioned, for the last 27 years, mm -hmm. concurrent to me being on the radio and television to coach a plethora of emerging and established talents, mm -hmm. not just recording artists. You mentioned Rihanna, some of my recording artists, mm -hmm. but I've also worked with CEOs, mm -hmm. uh, managers, actors, directors, all manner of talent. And the first thing I'm looking for is personality because that is part of what attracts other human beings is do you have the capacity and the talent uh, and the knowledge, the expertise in your particular area and the willingness to learn that is so critical to me and my process when I'm coaching individuals. So um, yeah, 27 years, my company, I'm the CEO of Influence Entertainment. Mm -hmm. uh, you can go to the website, influenceentertainment.com to learn more about us. And part of what my company does in addition to media coaching and artist development, very much in the tradition of Mrs. Maxine Powell, right. who was Barry Gordy's artist development and media coach person, uh, is also we produce events. I produce the Marian Anderson Award mm -hmm. in Philadelphia at the Kimmel Center for the Performing Arts. For years, I did it with Pat Moran. And uh, last year, we honored, well, not during the pandemic, mm -hmm. 2019, Cool and the Gang. The year before that, Patti LaBelle, Gamble and Huff, mm -hmm. John Bon Jovi, Barry Gordy. So I'm a creative producer, and I love, I love conceptualizing and actualizing. I'm big on that. I, my parents taught me anything that your mind can conceive and believe, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can achieve. So that's what my company does. That's what I've been doing. And again, radio has been important, and you know this from your years mm -hmm. in media, uh, have the platform to be able to reach hundreds of thousands, millions of individuals with feel good and information that's of value to their lives, the quality of their lives, is what I'm all about. So, but, you know, Deanna, when I, when I listen to you, on, um, you know, I, I do bow down to you. You know, because listen to what she just said. She said athletes. She said actors. She said singers. She said executives. Each one of those lanes is unique. Now, I tell you, I can't mess with music, okay? It is so complicated. 
you know, uh, you know, I, comedian, I got you. Actor, I got you. Athlete, I got you. Executive, music. She throws that in like it's nothing. So, so if you go to their website, it's a beautiful website. I, I, I go to the website. I'll be, I'll be stealing ideas. Can you, can you make my website look like her website? Because it's so pretty. You know, it's so flow. It flows. It looks big. It looks grand. It looks like you want to know more about this brand when you go to her website. It's amazing. But I just want to slow it down here. When we start talking about, you know, her being on the board or the Black Music Museum that's there's opening and the grand opening is July, June 17th in Nashville, I want to talk about the individual, her brand. She says executive like, okay, you know, I do executives, you know, I do athletes, I do actors and actresses, which is both, you know what I'm saying, male and female, okay, these singers, but then the singers, then she throws in the, the rappers, which is a totally different world, then you have the old school, then you have the new school, and then Janelle Monet, she kind of like pop, and then, she, then you have Rihanna, she kind of like pop black, but what is she? Come on, girl. You are just something special. Listen, I'm with you in terms of anything, like I said, that the mind can conceive and believe you can achieve. My parents raised me to squeeze this lemon and to get everything out of the experience of living. I am living every second in fullness. I, am, I love life and I love people. I love my fellow human beings. Sometimes I'm a little annoyed with their behaviors. Mm-hmm. Sometimes downright, you know, angry with people who are not righteous, kind, loving, and considerate. But for the most part, I am grateful to be alive. I'm I'm elated to have this opportunity to speak with you and your audience about my passions. And, you know, the other question I get is, how can we celebrate Black music? Stream the music of the artists you love. Buy the music. Now things are opening up. Go out, hear live music. Buy the merch of the artists that you love. Sit with young children and tell them about the artists that you listened to and loved when you were growing up. And conversely, listen to them about who they're listening to. Mm -hmm. Have an intergenerational moment when you're hearing what they like. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just all about what you like. Be exposed and consider. So there are so many ways that you can engage. My grandson was here this past weekend. Read books on famous musicians. Teach learn, celebrate. Black Music Month is for all of us. And it's not to say that we do not celebrate the music beyond June. Mm-hmm. It's an everyday celebration. June just happens to be the concentrated moment. Okay, okay. Deanna, I got all that. I'm talking about you, okay? You just you just broke off with this little speech about the museum. I'm talking about you, girl. You know, see, like, see we say gamble and all that. We talk about the field thought. I'm talking about you, your talents. Oh, so you need identifying and helping other talented people. That's part of the joie de vivre that I have yeah, to yeah. be able to convey that to other people is part of my talent. My talent is being on the radio, talking, being on television, disseminating information. My talent is not cooking so well, which is why my man was like, babe, what I just try to say is in the, my interview with you, and I've interviewed you before, and I'm, yeah. I'm always amazed at the um, humbleness uh, 
of of your talents. And, I, and 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 sometimes the humbleness is good and bad because sometimes because when you're humble, people don't recognize you for your gifts because they can they can just assume it's just part of your your resume. And I just wanted to slow down and say, I brought you on here to talk about the museum, the grand opening, Black Music Month, and June 17th is when the three-day celebration is going to start and your work as a board member and all those great things, but also to acknowledge your brilliance and that the brilliance is being able to go in a room and being able to not be intimidated about communicating. And that's what you just said. It's about communicating. It's about your parents giving you the will to be great. And that's what this, that's why I will tell people, you know, when you meet a young kid, you can, you can change their lifestyle by either supporting them or telling them what they can't do. And that's who I see you. You are a person that has never heard that word and you promote that. And that's why you immediately defer to Rashawn. I hear you, but let's support black music. Let's black merchandise. Let's, let's buy the music. But you are, you are a uh, Renaissance woman. And I wanted to say thank you and just take these few minutes because, you know, you're special and, and this platform allows me to say that publicly to you. And I say it with a lot of honesty because, you know, you were, you, you were, you were the reason this museum is here. It started 42 years ago. Okay. It didn't start 15 or 20. It started 42 years ago. And you were part of that. That's why it exists today in Nashville. Thank you, Deanna Williams. Okay. <laughs> um, thank you. We will be right back with more money-making conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald. You are now tuned into the Money-Making Conversations, Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald. I spoke with NBC Today Show co-host Al Roker about achieving a life of happiness and success through the power of yes. It's not about the money, but more about pursuing the opportunity. I love what I do. To be in this industry, you know, people say, oh, you work so hard. I said, you know what? My dad drove a bus for eight hours a day, worked a lot of overtime. Sometimes we wouldn't see him for a couple of days. That's really hard work. This is work, but I love what I'm doing. It's not a job. It's my passion. So if in the long term, this is going to bring me something, I don't know if it is or not. But all I know is that if I give somebody else the opportunity to do it, then I don't get that opportunity. So I will put in the hours. I will bust my butt mm -hmm. to do it because I want whatever's going to come after it, not somebody else. If you want to hear this full interview with Al Roker, visit MoneymakingConversation.com. Keep winning. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. And we're live here outside the Perez family home just waiting for the... And there they go. Almost on time this morning. Mom is coming out the front door strong with a double arm kid carry. Looks like dad has the bags. Daughter is bringing up the rear. Oh, but the diaper bag wasn't closed. Diapers and toys are everywhere. Ooh, but mom has just nailed the perfect car seat buckle for the toddler. And now the eldest daughter, who looks to be about 9 or 10, has secured herself in the booster seat. Dad zips the bag closed, and they're off. Ah, but looks like mom doesn't realize her coffee cup is still on the roof of the car. And there it goes. Oh, that's a shame. That mug was a fam favorite. 
Don't sweat the small stuff. Just nail the big stuff. Like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Learn more at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination. Our sense of wonder. And our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Money-Making Conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald. My guest is one of my all-time favorite friends, as well as entrepreneurs, is Chef Jannard Wells. He is, this year, he's the official host of Real Men Cook National Virtual Event Broadcasting Live on Father's Day from Centennial Olympic Park in Atlanta, Georgia. This is their annual celebration of black fathers and featured dishes prepared by celebrity chefs, celebrity fathers, and everyday fathers. Chef Jannard recently won another national award for his cooking TV show, New Soul Kitchen, on Clio TV at the Taste. Awards. Chef Chenard is also a certified nutritionist and has been on a mission to improve his own health. So he figured out, why not make his own line of supplements? We here. I got it all here, y'all. Look at it. All this paper's about him. When he come on my show, Chef Chenard well is selling. He is the, he a pitch man too, y'all, by the way. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, my good friend, the best chef that I know, Chef Chenard well. <laughs> Hello. It's, you, you know, it's always a pro- a pleasure, man. I, I, so, well, I stop miss laughing. hanging out. Well, with stop you, laughing, son. then. Well, stop laughing. Uh, my producer, she go, "Could you clear up your desk?" No, yeah. no, I can't clear up my desk because all this about Chef Jannard. Well, he had printed out everything. Make sure I, if I just in case I can't read, he got it real big. Ain't enough for me to. I could have wrote it down like I know him. He want me to show you pictures. Look at it right there. Look at it. That's the that's the gummies right there. Thirty gummies right there. That's the body butter right there. You know what I'm saying? And then if you if you got brittle bone, he got you covered there too, right there. Healthy bones and heart support. All this is about making your life better because you have lost weight as well and made your life made a conscious effort to improve the quality of your life as well. Correct, Chef Janard Wells. Th- that is correct. You know, um, as we were going through the pandemic. You know, I decided, hey, now that I'm home more, not traveling and filming as much as I originally was, now it's time to really just focus on me and use that time wisely. And I, I took that time really to to start riding bikes with the, with the children, walking on trails with the wife, and and just focusing on me and enriching in my enriching in my my better being in life because. What, what's the purpose to become successful and then spend all your time and all your money up and trying to stay alive when I can change the narrative, you know, not just for myself, but just be a positive mindset for my family, because I got a lot of people depending on me, even the employees depending on me. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the key things that I saw that's really important that we tend to start chasing the American dream and we forget about the well-being of who, who we are. And over the course of that journey, you know, I've, I've lost over 60 some pounds and still going, you know, it's it's not a uh, a instant result, but it's a lifestyle. And that's how I look at it. It's just as a lifestyle and a way of being and, and just making it a, 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 a habit to consciously control what I do. And, you know, even with New Soul Kitchen, um, my show on Clio TV, that's what it's about. It's about showing people how to take the food that we love and that we eat 
and modified for, for today's healthier lifestyle, except at the same time having some great stuff. Speaking of that, I know Rashawn's kitchen, man. You be throwing it down and, and, and keeping me hungry, man. So so you 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 making it hard for a brother over No, no, here. no, 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 man. You, you the one. I, I'm just an amateur. You a professional. Now, I've been seeing you on uh, Food Network, winning championships. See, this is what I can't do that you can do. I can't just go in the kitchen and somebody say, make it. I would like fake. <laughs> what happened to that black dude? Oh, he felt like because y'all asked him to do something on the spot. I got to <laughs> prep. I, you got to give me a recipe ahead of time. They don't do that on those contests. They tell you right then and there what you're supposed to make, correct? That That is correct. You know, when they, when they show you this part of the adrenaline and whole excitement, when, when we're competing on those shows like Cutthroat Kitchen and all those different shows that I was competing on, you don't know what you're getting ready to make until they announce it right on camera. And when they tell you you have 30 minutes to create this dish, that's 30 minutes in real time. Right. So you're really working on the fly. And I, I learned... I learned to master that art. And one of the things was being a Mississippi boy, when they would when they would challenge me and take different things from me, I didn't have a lot of cooking equipment going up anyway. So it was normal. You tell me, I, I gotta make some, I gotta make some pasta, but I I, I can't use uh regular spaghetti. I, you right. know, I do how to get my my flour and, and, mm-hmm. and make my own pasta dough and things like that. They like, hey, you gotta you gotta make some meatballs, but you can't use ground beef. They, well, I look, guess what? I'm gonna grab. I'm gonna grab some mushrooms and some mm-hmm. things like that and form them into to little balls, and then come up with a cool story to tell the judge. Why well, you know, like, growing <laughs> up, this is all I had. <laughs> well, I'm gonna tell you something on the real. I remember because I come from a big family, Houston, Texas, six sisters, two brothers, and we didn't have. This is a true story about me and my life. We didn't have. All the dishes, all the spoons and forks and knives. And so I swear to you, man, I ate with a spoon everything. You know, if it was a piece <laughs> of meat, I cut it with a spoon. And then when I was in college, man, my friends would look at me and I'd be up there just cutting that meat with that spoon and go, Richard, what you doing? I go, I'm eating. They go, hey, man, there's a fork and a knife. I go, okay, and you can use that to cut your meat. I go, dude, I've been doing this all my life with a spoon. Because when you when you don't have it, then you make do with what you have, and so and that's what that's the mentality of what a lot of people don't do in the business world. They feel they got to have everything. They got to have the right that that temperature got to be right. The right amount of food has to be delivered. Sometimes it isn't. You have to make make do with what you have, and that's what I did in my life until later on. Now, you, of course, I use a knife and a fork because I I've grown up and realized that's the what the tool. But when I was growing up, brother. I grabbed the first spoon I got because if I didn't get the spoon, somebody else got it. So I held that. With the, I washed my spoon with the spoon, with the spoon, with the bed with me. I kept my spoon because when cereal was being served, if you want to know, try to eat some cereal with a fork, you know that's some hard eating. Or try to drink cereal. I'm, I'm going to sound like the spoon became an extension of your, on, one of your own hey, personal hey, family hey, members of your, your very own family. Hey, but that is so true. Mm-hmm. What, what, when you when you learn to master the art of whatever it is you're doing without, mm-hmm. when you do have, you can create so much more. And a lot of people don't even realize all of these things are just grooming us to avoid we, we're stepping into. Like you was you were speaking about, you know, you have to have everything set up. And that was one of the things after I, after I finished college at, at actually I went to HBCU Russ College, but after I finished there and went to culinary arts school, one of the things that 
I paid all that money to go to culinary arts school was them to teach me one terminology, and that's mise en place. It's French for get everything in order. And a lot of people, when they watch watch me on my cooking show, New Soul Kitchen, or even watching you cook, what they'll learn is when we're starting off, we already have our ingredients already laid out. Mm-hmm. And that's what allows us to cook within a fraction of the time that we're cooking mm-hmm. in because just by pre-prepping, slicing and dicing, having everything laid out and ready to go, mm-hmm. that saves a fraction of the time. And that's one of the things that I even teach people mm-hmm. when they're watching my show. I teach them and share with them how if you stop being a refrigerator and a pantry cook, Mm -hmm. then you can create food a whole lot faster and you don't have to spend a lot of time in the kitchen. And what I mean when I say refrigerator and pantry cook, you know, we all been there. We, we're hungry. We want something to eat. We walk in the, we walk in the kitchen and, and, and we just open up the refrigerator and whatever we pull out, we pulling out this, we pulling out that and we start cooking and working from that way. You burn a lot of time, determine what it is, what you want, get all your ingredients out, lay them in front of you. And then start cooking when you fire up your stove or your oven. And it cuts down on the time. And it also helps you be a lot more precise when you're preparing the dishes. I tell you, you know, when I look at what you do and, you know, if preparation is the key. Because if you look at any recipe, they'll tell you like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Now, an hour is the preparation time. The half is just the cook time. And Correct. so, so you know, because a lot of people, they, they really, you know, Put if it says a quarter to a quarter teaspoon of salt, put the salt out there, okay, or, or half a cup of milk. Put the milk out there, and it, it was so easy once you accept the responsibility of prep. Prep is the key to successful baking and cooking. If you don't want to prep, then you're wasting your time. Get out the kitchen and keep <laughs> going to a, a, a Jack in the Box or someplace like that. Fast food. You fast food friendly. That's what I call you. Fast food friendly when you don't want to prep. Hey, that that is so true. And you know, a lot of people we that, that believe, especially our culture, we believe in that old school method. Well, look, I don't believe in measuring anything. I, I cook the old school way. I just toss it in and talk it like like our great grandparents <laughs> and things did. The thing is, they were the originators of the recipes that we follow. Mm-hmm. But when you actually follow a recipe, that controls the consistency. Mm-hmm. Have you ever wondered when you go to that favorite restaurant why the food is spot on every time mm-hmm. and it's so good? Mm-hmm. It's because they're following that recipe. Mm-hmm. And if you want to create food in the comfort of your home, the home the same time, mm-hmm. you'll measure out those ingredients. Right. Now, you know, you can, now, you're the king of bacon, Rashawn. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to sauteing and cooking on top of the stove, you know, you, you can kind of fudge and play with it. Right. But when it comes to baking, <laughs> that's a chemistry. Those those, those ingredients got to be spot on because if those ingredients not spot on, you wonder why I made the cake and the cake <laughs> looks like a pancake instead of an actual actual pound cake that was oh, supposed oh, to rise. Put too much yeast in there. The freestyle or oh, 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 baking powder that's just flowing out the pan. Just just a little <laughs> ugly little monster in the in the oven going on frightening your kids. Opening up, yeah. smell your, your house on fire. But that's yeah. all part of, of being a, a chef and being recognized as a superior talent because that's what you are, Chef Denard. Well, you on that. National TV shows, and you have to be there with celebrities, with anchors who've been there, done that, who've seen it. How do you deal with that? Being able, under pressure like that, because I got the I got the game, the contest shows on Food Network and cooking channels and things like that. But when you go on today's show, Good Morning America, a Tamron Hall show, or any other talk show that you've done in the past, how you deal with that on the spot pressure of delivering the goods? And, and, you know, one of the ways how I deal with that is it it took 
Took years and times of training. People will watch me on those shows or any of the other Nova chefs, they're watching those shows and they'll say, oh man, it, it, it looks so easy. Yeah, I can go and do it and then they do it and they fumble because with those shows, we have to create a dish in three minutes because yes. typically that's the amount of time they give us on those on those shows. Today's show, uh, Good Morning America, you, know, you have anywhere from three to five minutes to create a whole dish that typically would take 30 to 45 mm -hmm. minutes to mm -hmm. make. Several things. First of all, because you have home court advantage, you always determine a recipe that you can control and that you master and that you know so you don't have a lot of talking fumbles. Mm -hmm. Second thing is, as we call it, the TV magic, meaning that you already have a finished product on hand mm -hmm. and you take the you take the viewer through the process of seeing you creating this dish mm -hmm. but you always know you're going to have that product to reveal at the end mm -hmm. and then you're going to taste it and describe it the second thing is is having your cooking chops lined up with your talking chops and see a lot of people like cooking chops talking chops yeah it's two parts to any cooking segment that you watch on tv Presenting the food and yes. talking about the food mm -hmm. and actually entertaining. See, people see cooking shows and they just think, oh, it's all about cooking. But you got to remember, it's a hard sell to sell somebody to want something or want to follow you through a camera lens because they can't smell it. They can't taste it. Yeah. But you got to be descriptive with it. And it just took years of work in that way that really taught me that. Now, the people who really honed in on teaching me that was when I did Food Network Star with Bobby Flay and Giada. And, you know, I walked away as the runner up on that. Mm -hmm show, mm -hmm. but they've really taught me how to hone in on that skill and really just work hard at it. And then what I did when I got home, I just kept doing it over and over mm -hmm. because we have to practice to show ourselves, as we say, show thyself approved. And when I learned it and got it down to a science, it mm -hmm. led me to having my own show, which is New Soul Kitchen. And might I add, I don't know if you know, Rashawn, but I'm a producer on that show. So I'm also playing a part in producing my own content for two of the most amazing women of Powerhouse Productions. Listen, you probably say, Rashawn, I finally listen. That's what you should have said. Rashawn, I finally listen to you. I'm a producer yes. on New Soul Kitchen. And after that, go be executive producer. Okay? Because that's how yeah. it really works. Because your talent, that it only works because of your talent. And so once talent get out of that, Fear, you know, fear of asking, the fear of saying, or demanding in certain cases. You got to say, hey, I deserve this because of the fact that I'm writing, producing, I'm acting, I'm editing. I'm telling you all the right process. You know, if it doesn't, if I don't see it right, I'm selling the brand and all those things. And so, New Soul Kitchen, let's bring up everybody up to speed because we got a lot to talk, like to talk about. It's early in the interview, but I want to make sure that everybody knows that's one of my favorite shows, New Soul Kitchen. Outside of the second favorite show that you do, is the best thing you ever ate. That boy. See, you got that, you got that finger licking good conversation. When you be talking sometimes, <laughs> Chef Janoa Wells on that show, I'll be like getting hungry. But let's talk about New Soul Kitchen before we go to the best thing you ever ate. Now, New, New Soul Kitchen, it's it's on Clio TV. And Clio TV is a is an African-American network for millennial women of color. Um but one of the things that we've pride ourselves in is become a thriving network with millions and millions of viewers. And they can you can watch the show nationwide. And then we've crawled, we've we've really crossed over culture. So we have a very diverse culture that's watching. As a matter of fact, New Soul Kitchen is the number one show on the network. And it ultimately led to me 
pre- spinning off a new another show, which is New Soul Kitchen Remix. So I'm New Soul Kitchen, New Soul Kitchen Remix, and I show people how to create amazing meals in 15 minutes or less. Mm-hmm. And during that time frame, it's about vetting out the different products that they that they that they are shot for. And and I don't believe in as we say, cooking over cooking over people's head, you know, just to show them I know all the fancy ingredients and all the fancy words. I believe in reaching the people where they are. You know, if you go into the grocery store and you're shopping, you, you're getting your standard stuff, you know, your cabbage, your collard greens, your sweet potatoes, your, your steak or your seafood, things like that. I'm not sending you to go get the, the foie gras and the stinkweed and all these other stuff where you got to go to the special shows. I'm talking to the people and showing them how to cook what the vast majority of Americans create. Right. And and my ultimate mission with New Soul Kitchen is to show the world, even though we have the word soul in there, it's to show the world that the soul food diaspora of the food we create is not just soul food. It's American cuisine because it's the food that America's backbone was built off of. It was us even during the during the slavery times. It was us in the, in, in the big house and in the field houses cooking the food. So it was what America grew up off of and eat and love. That's why it's, it's so huge today. Wow. Now, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, you said, Rashawn, man, they, they fly me to L.A., man, and I'm going to do some episodes of uh, uh, Best Thing You Ever Ate. And you said, man, you started naming different places to go eat, like one place down in yep. Athens, Georgia. Then was a place right there in Atlanta. And then was a, another place up in Tennessee. Tell us two of your favorite all-time Best Thing You Ever Ate locations and restaurants. Now, now I'm, I'm going to tell them about that. But first, it's funny It's funny you mentioned what you said. That was one of the things that I have to I have to really say about you, Rashawn, and admire. If if the viewers don't know, Rashawn knows food. Rashawn <laughs> knows how to find some great locations, some good, some, some good food. And, and, and those that have been following and, and, and has seen me multiple times on Money Making Conversations, they know they know that we've been rocking with each other for many years now. 2017. <laughs> 2017. Yes, 2017. indeed. Yes, indeed. Hey, I may be one of the longest run, running yes. guests on, on, yes. your show, Peter, <laughs> on your show. <laughs> but some of the, some of the most amazing places that 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 I really love love eating at is it's one that's in um, in LA that's called Harold and Bell's. It's a oh it's come a, on now, Harold and oh. Bell's. Come on now, off of Jefferson. <laughs> Yes, Jefferson. you 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 the already little, know. The blue Bell, crab. Amazing food. <laughs> amazing family-owned restaurant that really specializes in the, the Cajun and Creole cuisine of Louisiana. So definitely if you're in Louisiana, you go to Louisiana, you want not Louisiana, LA. That's why you're in mm-hmm. LA. If you're in LA and you want to experience some amazing Louisiana cuisine, you have to make your way to Harold and Bell's. Harold and Bell's by far is, is probably one of the best ones. But now showing some love here in, in Atlanta, Georgia, I think one of my all-time favorite restaurants is C. Ellis. You know, I really love C. Ellis. C. Ellis is over at the Battery. Now, there's one particular dish that I think C. Ellis, because I always hone in and pick several dishes that I think is done well. C. Ellis does a, uh, creates a dish that's a barbecue shrimp dish. Mm-hmm. And it's not barbecue shrimp in the essence of what you think when you think about barbecue shrimp on the grill. They create a, a unique um, sauce that's made with Worcestershire. 
butter, and then they, they toss the shrimp in there with lemon juice with the head on. So, and, and they don't cook it in the skillet, <laughs> they bake it in the oven. Mm-hmm. So when you're baking it and you blend in all those spices together, the onions, the garlic, it allows that, that stock from the shrimp and the shrimp shell to really saturate mm-hmm. into the flavor and the salsa of the whole dish. And when they bring it out, you have all these beautiful, beautiful bright, bright pink shrimp that's covered, smothered in this creamy sauce and it's served with garlic toast. Man, that, that's one of the dishes I can keep going back and keep going back for. Um, so, and, and you know, I've been doing best things I ever ate for, for actually quite a few few years now, going into the fifth season of doing that one. Mm-hmm. And best things I ever ate led me to another opportunity where I have a, a show that I contribute on that's on Oprah Winfrey's network. Cause you know, they have a nice, they have a nice food platform now mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's called Own in the Kitchen. And the show that I do on Oprah Winfrey's network is called Food Fantasies. So if you hadn't seen Food Fantasies, <laughs> you definitely have to check that out. I do a mean deep fried crab leg on there. Take them king crabs, batter them up. Listen, listen, but first, listen. with the king crabs, Rashawn, you gotta listen. you gotta go ahead on and steam them so you can crack them mm-hmm. out that shell. Then create a nice good tempura mm-hmm. batter. Toss them in there with some Creole spices, fry them bad boys up, and you talking about some good eating. You want to go to sleep after eating that. See, see, they, see, he got me. See, I thought he was going to let me off the hook. Then he went into that figure looking good. <laughs> Ooh, talk he got. Now, you got some business things we got to talk about now. You got in business with, with your friends at uh, Dr. Scott and Contessa Metcalf over at Bravo's Married to Medicine, and you got a line. And I think I'm holding up that line in front of me right now. Tell me yes. about how did that come about? I know you know a lot of people. Why were they important to get into business with? Over at Bravo's television, a very successful show, Marriage Medicine, Dr. Scott and Contessa Metcalf. Yes, and, and, and that's one of the things that says that uh, Dr. Scott and Contessa Metcalf, um, husband and wife couple, two amazing doctors that continue to keep striving in, in their knowledge. They actually have a doctor's office that's over in Buckhead, um, integrative, um, integrative Medicine. And one of the things, as I'm on, on my health journey of, of eating well, um, Scott and I, we, we, we created a, a, a YouTube show called uh, One Chef and a Doc. And, mm-hmm. and of course, me being the chef, I always want to go renegade off the plane. <laughs> and I got the doc over here advised me, hey, if you're going to cook this, why don't you put this in here? Why don't you use this to make it a little more healthier and exciting? Mm-hmm. And then I got contestants in my ear saying, chef, well, you know, it's okay to eat this. You can do this right here. <laughs> and they give me that amazing advice. But as being great friends, they've been amazing friends. We came together to create Hulk Dog Nutraceuticals. Mm-hmm. Hulk Dog Nutraceuticals is a, a vitamin and supplement line of company because we knew that it was in, not just important for us to have the right supplements and vitamins to put in our own body, but we wanted to share that with the world. So we partnered with a FDA-approved company that creates some of the most amazing vitamins for us. And we have everything from from turmeric and ginger gummies mm-hmm. all the way down to an amazing CBD line like the body butter. If you're extra, mm-hmm. exercising and you mm-hmm. want to make sure those joints are feeling good, mm-hmm. we have that. We have the the the, the uh, vitamin K, vitamin D for your joints mm-hmm. and your bones. Mm-hmm. We have elderberry. We also, as a matter of fact, it's, it's funny you mentioned it. We do have a testosterone line coming out, a collagen line coming out, and we have sleep well gummies because, hey, 
Not only is it important to have an active lifestyle, but it's also important to have a, a healthy sleep, sleep style as well. And, and, and that's one of the things that you, Rashawn, do you still get up at 4.30 in the morning every Four morning? 4 o'clock. Don't cheat me, man. 4 a.m. <laughs> don't you cheat me. I'll reach across this, this camera and get you. Slap you upside the head. 4 o'clock, man. Talk to me, man. Testosterone. See, I want, I want to do one of Frank Thomas commercials. Y'all got to hire me. And you'll be happy, too. <laughs> I know, right? Hey, you, you definitely will. Because one of the things we'll learn, the older that we get, the lower our testosterone level drops. Mm-hmm. So it's key to having the right, right balance of t- testosterone. Now, testosterone has its benefits outside of just having that, that healthy boost of energy. If you, <laughs> if you want to kick, if you want to kick that love life to the next level, there ain't nothing wrong with having a little extra testosterone. <laughs> hey, look, you know I'm a father of nine, so I ain't complaining. I hope the miss ain't complaining either. <laughs> I got a father of one. I gotta catch up. I need some testosterone. Tea. I need the tea. <laughs> I need the tea. Tea. Trust me, if you're getting up at four o'clock in the morning, trust me, I'm sure you got a lot of testosterone because it, take, it takes a good one. The early bird do get the worm. <laughs> you know, uh, it's really great talking to you, man, but we got to make sure we talk about one of the primary reasons why you're coming on the show. Father's Day weekend is coming up. You're going to be the host of Real Men Cook, the national virtual show. Celebrity chefs, celebrity cooks, celebrity fathers will be sharing meals. You'll be at Centennial Olympic Park in Atlanta, Georgia. Talk about how that came about. Talk about the experience. I think it's going to be 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, or, or I mean Central Standard Time, which will be 4 to 7 Eastern, I believe. So talk about that because I'm so excited for you because I really do love that, that uh, event and her son, and I think it's just fantastic. They've been doing it for over 32 years. Yes, uh, Real Men Cook has been going on for 32 years. It's an amazing event. I started out with Real Men Cook uh, roughly around 2003 or so, because mm-hmm. I'm even though I have this heavy Southern accent, I'm originally a Chicago native. That's why I was born and raised before moving to the South. So even when I was living in the South, I would always travel back home to Chicago to participate in. And, and Yvette and Rael, you know, amazing, as well as Kofi, uh, the Moyo family, amazing family. And they've really just embraced me and, and saw saw the gift in me, even at, at a young and early age. And, and, and I'm even, I'm still astonished at the fact that at one point I'm, I'm playing a part with Real Men Cooking, cooking alongside President Barack Obama, but of course at the time he was Senator Obama and, and who would have knew one day I could say, hey, I cooked alongside the president right. to even see that his favorite his favorite dish at the time was shrimp, one of the things that he truly loved. Mm-hmm. Um, but Real Men Cook, it celebrates fathers and it celebrates those that are father figures and it's every, it's every year on Father's Day. And they host, it around, they host it around the world from Chicago to Atlanta and North Carolina, uh, so many amazing cities as well. This year, we'll be broadcasting live um, Real Men Cook from Centennial Park. So those that can't come out and stream with us, that can't come out and actually hang in person, I have some amazing chefs that's going to be doing some live cooking demos, giving us some amazing food samples. We're going to have a host of food trucks out sharing their cuisine as well. I'm going to be streaming live on all of the Real Men Cook platforms as well. I'll also be doing a live stream on Clio, Clio TV's Instagram page. So we're going to make sure that we get the word out because one of the things is being a father 
and an African-American father, I understand how it's key that we continue to lead by example and show our young men and our young women that are coming up behind us how important it is to have those dads in your life. And if you don't have that biological dad, the, the person that's filling in that gap in the neighborhood, in the community, in your home as a dad to show that appreciation and show how we give love because I want to break that, that stigmatism right. of people thinking that uh, the African-American family is the, the father is the absentee father in the house. It's not a, it, it, and it's not always the case. We're there and we want to be heard and we want the world to see us. And that's why it's so important that Real Men Cook and Real Men Charities has came along and they've been paving the forefront for the past 32 years of being that beacon of light to continue to help show that because if they didn't, who would? And I, and you know, and I was truly honored when Yvette, a very good friend of mine, mm -hmm. reached out to me and wanted me to help lead the charge with it, you know, because I've been supporting it for years. So to even give, to show me the respect and honor that we would like you to play a bigger role with us this year mm -hmm. and be the official host, that really said a lot. And it's, and it's truly an important, important place to be right now in my career in life. Well, first of all, Congratulations. Uh, I truly, uh, hearing this opportunity, I know as a father, father of nine, a beautiful wife, a, fa a home that's stabilized with two, as two parents who are still at the home existing, coexisting, communicating. And Father's Day does have a, a negative stigma when it comes to black fathers. You know, the, the, the statements, whether they're true or not, it seems to believe that the black woman is the, is the reason, is the structure. You don't hear that in white households. That you know, the, the white woman is the leader of the pack. Without the white woman leading the family, there's no family dynamic. Well, you hear that in the black family, as it shows, as it may seem that men are just kicked to the curb, and that's not true. We have a place. We deliver. We're consistently there doing our part. And with you being the host of Real Men, he is the official host. Let me get it out there, y'all. Chef Janard Wells, make sure you give me that banner because you know I'll post for you. <laughs> yes. I will post for you. So give me one to post up on Sunday. That Sunday morning, I want to post a banner about you hosting Real Men Cook National Virtual Event Broadcasting Live on Father's Day from Centennial Olympic Park in Atlanta, Georgia. The one and only, straight out of Mississippi, HBCU <laughs> grad, Chef Janard Wells. And by the way, the testosterones are coming. The testosterones are coming. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Chef, for coming on the show, man. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. You know that, my brother. All right, we talk soon, okay? We will be right back with more money-making conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald. You are now tuned into the Money-Making Conversations, Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald. I talked with Don Lemon, the host of CNN Tonight, about our nation's deep racial divide in his new book, This is the Fire, What I Say to My Friends About Racism. There were people in this country who weren't able to vote, weren't able to get an education, who uh, were not able to live where they, where they wanted, and weren't able to, which is the biggest part of it, is to earn generational wealth, Right. And, but who helped to build the wealth for wealthy people. And which offers what an ease in society and a comfort uh, and a level of privilege that that isn't afforded to most people uh, of color in this country. And so what I tell them is that, again, they must know their history starts from the beginning right. and teaching their children the, the real history of this country. If you want to hear this full interview with Don Lemon, visit MoneyMakingConversation.com. Keep winning. 
Welcome back to Money Making Conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hi, everyone. Al Roker here. As a guy with his own catchphrase, I appreciate that Smokey's only said, Only you can prevent wildfires. But I'm filling in because there's a lot more to report. Like when there are parched or windy conditions out there, you got to be extra careful with things like burning yard waste. After all, wildfires can start anywhere, even in your neck of the woods. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure and pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide to this fascinating world. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. My next two guests are what I like to call industry decision makers. They're entrepreneurs, Rob and Jen Morris. In 2011, they opened a retail bakery storefront selling over 100 flavors of homemade cupcakes. I know, they were good. They started this bakery from their love of food and sweets and wanted to create a different kind of life for their family. Their company now has evolved into coaching and mentoring through their online and small business course, the Start Small Win Big Academy. You hear me? The Start Small Win Big Academy where they teach bakers of all ages the blueprint to start their own bakery business. There are many courses and classes teaching bakers how to perfect their skills, but very but very few courses out there tell you how to make money doing what you do, whether it's at home or whether it's a passion. or They're they going to take you to the next level, how to make it profitable and a lasting full-time business. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations. about entrepreneurship. It's about making money. Please welcome Rob and Jen Morris. Hey there, Good team. Good morning. How's everybody Good morning. doing? Ooh, let me let me fix my ears so I can get this all in, man. How you doing, Rob? That's my man right there, you know. I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so where are you guys based at? We're, we're right outside of um, uh, Philadelphia. So our bakery was in Delaware County. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Outside of West Philly and Southwest Philly. Right. Now, East Coast, you know, there's a lot of people. You know, it's probably the most populated area in the country is the Eastern Corridor. And so why sweets? Why cupcakes? Because I, you know, I consider myself a baker. And cupcakes, even though they're so cute, they're really difficult to make. Am I correct? Or maybe it's just my skill level. Talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Mrs. McDonald. It might be your skill level. But us, <laughs> cupcakes was the easiest way to reproduce something, um, a, a flavor, a medley of flavors into one little dessert. So we can do a box of 12 different flavors, right? right? And it just really wild everybody's mind. So, so when you when you talk about ideas, because you you guys are a couple, you know, usually because that means that I'm just saying it real. You know, you you, you wake up, 
go to sleep. <laughs> you know, you eat lunch together, breakfast together. It's when you have business partners, you let business partner checks out. See you tomorrow, brother. I'll see you tomorrow, sister. <laughs> How does that work when the ideas are constantly flowing and the conflicts can constantly be flowing? When you want to make adjustments, when you have an idea, when you say over 100 flavors? There had to be some conflict, but how did that work? Because I do get a lot of couple entrepreneurs on my show. Every one of them has a different version of how they make it work. How do you guys make it work from the storefront before we move to the academy side? Uh, well, well, we're going to keep it real. First of all, you know, we're, we're like regular com- couples. You know, we have our issues just like everybody else. But I think that our footing in our relationship is what helps us, you know, work together as a team. You know, we have that great foundation. Mm-hmm. starting off. So, you know, as entrepreneurs together, you know, we bounce ideas off of each other and go back and forth. And we always know that we we, we both are, are looking for the right decision. You know what I mean? Right. And um, it, it, it helps a lot if the foundation is there. So well, that foundation is important, man. Well, I, you know, communication is important, which yes, creates the foundation. And so, Jen, I know Rob, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's a know-it-all. Because I'm married too, you know. My wife tells me I'm a know-it-all, okay. And she, she in her world, kind of like uh, is the real decision maker. And her world is really the person who does the um, the legwork. Because I'm a type of person, I throw out the manual and go do the job, you know. When she reads the manual and then she makes sure everything is followed through on instruction. Who is the admin person of the relationship? <laughs> that would definitely be me. Mm-hmm, thank I, you. I'm the blueprint. I write it, you know, and then I hand it over, and he'll follow it. There you go. There you go. And that <laughs> has to be the way That's you do. That has to be the way of any business, correct? You know, whether you are married or whether you have business partners, someone right. has to take charge a different role. Nobody, you can't have somebody looking over your shoulder and admin. It has to be trust. You can't have anybody as far as operations. Because I look at Rob as the part of the operations part of the relationship. So that trust. In any business model, let's discuss that right now because I'm pretty sure that's part of this of your academy of your academy presentation is about trust, is about taking control of your position in the business. In this case, it's two of you guys. If you're a solo person, that's you taking on both the admin and who you bring on board. So as you're doing the storefront and before you went into the uh, academy and the e-online or online uh, services you now provide, what was the most daunting part of being an entrepreneur? In a storefront property. Okay. Well, I, I would I would say the most daunting is um, just like you said, working with each other. That that was definitely the number one because there's so many different ideas that we bounce off and we we try to make the right decisions and whatnot. But um, also by us working together the way we did, that also helped us step out and deal with. A, with people on a professional level. Right. Because when you're dealing with these uh, professional people, they want to make sure that, you know, your business is solid and that you guys are bouncing off the right ideas and whatnot so that you can get to that next point. So that was the most uh, daunting part for me, you know? I would say for me, it was definitely um, trying to get the right people in the right places. Mm-hmm. Because as a, when you first start, you are a solopreneur. Even if you have a partner, you wear all of the hats. So that's what gets people overwhelmed. That's what gets people burnt out. And I try to impress upon them that you have to delegate. Right. And you have to, but you have to find the right people 
and put them in the right places. Because just because you have someone and you throw them in, into a position, that doesn't mean that that's their strength. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as a CEO and an owner, you also have to realize that, that, you know, try to find the right person, number one, and then make sure that you're putting them in the right place so that they can succeed and they can ultimately, you know, take your business to another level too. Mm-hmm. And that, then when you say that, because I've heard that term a lot, another level. What, what do you, because so many people are at different levels, you know, another level might be buying a Toyota. Some people might be buying a Mercedes, you know what I'm saying? And so how do you define what that another level is when I speak like that, Jen? Mm-hmm. Well, it, like you say, it all depends on where, what level you starting on. So for us, we took it one level at a time. Right. So if we were starting in our home, the next level for us was into a storefront. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But for some people, that's not one particular jump. So that's what we teach step by step. Because again, people see the end goal. They have these dreams and they see the end goal, but they're starting at level A. And all they're thinking about is how do I get to level Z? Mm-hmm. But you've got every step in between. You can't jump from the bottom step and jump all the way to the top in your home. Like think about your stair steps. You right. can't just fly from the bottom to the top, right? right? Well, you can leap. So, yeah, you can leap. You can just. I love that theory because just stand at the base of the stairs yeah. and just try to jump. You you may jump, might twist your ankle. You might mm-hmm. whoa and fall backwards and break your neck. There's, there's, a lot of, there's, there's a lot of uh, mishaps can happen when you try to l- jump steps. And uh, the reality of what you just said, that just dawned on me when you just said it about steps. Because if you try to do that in real life, you'll see the difficulty of trying to achieve, I'm, I'm going to jump to the third step. Or just take it one step at a time. It's effort, but at least you know you have a plan of action. You can do it again. You might be able to jump that to that third, but can you jump to the sixth? You know, how are you feeling that day? So that really is a really is a, is, is a safe way to look at the whole process. But now you guys, I know your whole background is baking, but it seems like your philosophies can be applied in any business format. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Our baking, our strategy. And we always say, yes, it's for baking because we're bakers. Right. Absolutely. But we had many other businesses that we started, tried to start before the baking business, that was just the one that stuck. And I think that was because of our extreme passion for we're foodies. We're right. shopping. I mean, come on, you know. <laughs> so that was the only one that really stuck. And I guess that was our calling. That was our um that was our assignment at that time. But our strategies, yes, can work in any business. And I always say this one baking business, this initial assignment is your mustard seed. This is the one that you're planting, you're nourishing and nurturing. And once it begins to grow and sprout, you're going to start getting many branches coming off of that tree. And you can take that same business model that we're teaching you and apply it to any other income stream, any other business that you're trying to start from this one baking business. You know, I, you know, looking at 2020, 2020 was an amazing year emotionally, uh, watching people and friends that you know worrying about your own personal health because of COVID-19, the civil unrest brought on by the George Floyd situation, but we still had to eat, we still had to participate, and like I went out this past weekend, and it was, it was people standing outside in rest, restaurant, restaurant, you know, the favorite restaurants like a uh, they were just lined up. So it's like people are out now, okay? But they weren't out last year, okay? We locked down for two complete months, and then all of a sudden you, you have restrictions and curbside delivery. How was the baking industry affected by COVID-19? 
Oh, it tremendously. I mean, it saddened us to see so many of our, um, I guess, business besties or whatever have to close down and shut down because when they initially said that everything has to close, everything has to shut down, you know, that's what people did. Um, but me and my husband, we were like, okay, let's read between the lines here. For food, they didn't say we had to completely shut down. They said people couldn't come into our establishment. Right. People couldn't linger around. Mm-hmm. So we were like, okay, we got these bills to pay. These kids got to eat. All mm-hmm. right. So we need to continue to run this business and make this money, right? right. So <laughs> we were like, all right, let's pivot back to the original business plan. We already had delivery in place. We already had, thank God, you know, delivery vans and things like that. We just beefed up our delivery Mm -hmm. and we implemented a curbside pickup program. Quickly put that out there, start marketing that. The floodgates opened, Rashawn. I mean, people were calling from left and right because every other bakery shut down. They still had birthdays. They still had, you know, certain events in their life that if nothing else, they wanted to make that event special. So we were there for them to deliver their cupcakes, to deliver their cakes with little personalized messages. And that, I mean, we got phone calls with people crying in tears because they were just excited to be able to celebrate something so special in a time like this. Yeah. Well, you know, the interesting part about that whole, you know, because I have a younger, my nephew. He has a barbecue stand in um, Houston, Texas, Big Six Barbecue. And because he had already signed up for, you know, DoorDash and the Uber Eats. And so he was already on the technology forefront. But what I discovered is that our, a lot of our black businesses, African-American businesses, were still traditional, just walk in, pay cash, a credit card, in. That's the, was that the big awakening for a lot of African-American restaurant businesses in 2020 is that they have to start using, despite the fees, that they have to use Uber Eats, they have to use DoorDash? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people weren't able to make that transition or, um, as like you said in one of your interviews, to uh, wake up dumb, you know, yes. mm-hmm. and, and be able to reinvent themselves and mm-hmm. implement different ideas and, you know, just keep the wheel moving. And don't forget that 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 main goal that you're trying to attract, you know, um, a lot of people have problems with that. And that's one of the main things that we deal with, with trying to make people wake up dumb. You know, we take them from F and bring right. them back to A and mm-hmm. we start them all over again because you never you never you can't throw those blueprint steps away. You, you always got to go back to them every time you get to the next level. Yes. You go back and start over, you know. Well, you know, a lot of people get frustrated by that because they want to just they want it to be the same. They, and when it's when it's then they start pointing fingers. That's, oh, I, it you know, I didn't expect that. I didn't plan for that. Well, I don't know mm-hmm. if I plan to wake up. I don't. I, I love to think that I can wake up healthy every day. When I don't wake up without a cold or with a cold, then it affects my whole day. But I can't affect my business model. And the business model that you guys had in place was storefront. Yeah, mm-hmm. y'all y'all was winning. Y'all was doing it. Then all of a sudden, y'all said that didn't work. Why? You, you, it's, it's it, again. You, you got kids to feed. You got visions. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you see yourself somewhere in the near future, and right. you, we have we have points that we have to hit. Right. You know, we put this stuff down every day. Right. If we don't hit that mark, then we have to get back together, figure out something, get in yes. a little huddle make a buy there and, and we keep on going. Nothing, nothing stops us. Because the thing is, Rashawn, this thing, it has to work or it has to work. Our dreams are so doggone big. <laughs> so I don't care what roadblocks come in our way. 
we're going to figure out a way to go around it, over it, under it, through it, whatever the case may be, because we have these dreams and they have to get done. So there's no time to sit and wallow in or make excuses like, oh my gosh, the world is crashing down around us. But guess yeah. what? Like you said, we still alive here. So we have the, the neck, we have the wherewithal to still figure this thing out and make it go. It may not be perfect. It may not be what we thought about, but as long as we're awake and here and breathing, God is giving us the will to keep pushing forward. And that's what we're trying to teach these people, these bakers, these business owners, that you can't be tunnel vision because a COVID is going to happen again. It just in another form, the right. stock market is going to crash. Another economic downturn is going to happen and you're going to have to be resilient enough to push through it and keep pushing forward. Now right. you guys host a uh, live training class for bakers every Thursday, you know, giving them secrets. Walk us through that step, Rob. What exactly is that live Thursday session? Well, when we, when we first meet with you, you know, we tell you our story so that you can be comfortable with us and you can understand that we come from the same places that you come from. You know, uh, we've been through so much. We've seen so much. And there's nothing better than learning from somebody who has the experience. You know, for a lot of people, that's the only way to learn. You need a mentor, you know. Mm -hmm. So we start off with that. And then we go back to letting everybody know that there are no secrets. Right. You know, there, there really are no secrets. It's hard work. Mm -hmm. dedication mm -hmm. and, and and getting over that home. Mm -hmm. Stop avoiding the home. Stop going around the home. <laughs> you know, and, and we like to hold people accountable for what they do. And they love that. You know, we, we make sure that they're on par. We make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to. If they're skipping steps, we're on them. So a lot of people just need that accountability, mm -hmm. you know. But going back to the basics is is the main thing because we deal with a lot of people who are already in business and they they believe that they have the know-it-all. Right. They have the smarts and they're at a certain level, but they still can't get over that home because they fail to start from the beginning and, and realize that certain things they skip. Yep. You skip steps. You cannot skip steps in this, you know? It'll come back to haunt you. Cool. Sure, you'll get to a certain point. But it will come back to haunt I'm talking to Robin Jen Mars. Uh, they live in the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area. And they, they have a company called the Start Small Win Big Academy. And it teaches bakers of all ages. That I, I'm very much aware of this, a blueprint. And when you start talking about business, they're just saying bakers. Because, you know, if you're a mechanic, you want to you want to talk from your strength. If you start yeah. talking about, I'm going to tell you how to open a mechanic shop, people going to go, what do you know about being a mechanic? But see, <laughs> that's all they're just saying. You know, they say, hey. We're going to tell you how to be successful as bakers, but quote unquote, we also tell you how to be successful as entrepreneurs, yeah. but you just, sometimes you just can't jump out there and give yourself a title because people want to know what, what are you referencing? Well, what is your line of work? What level of expertise are you drawing it on? And so now you're teaching bakers. Now let's use Rashawn McDonald's example. Like I said, I already say I, I, I can make me some good uh, apple turnovers. I can make me some good pipe cobbler. I can, I can, I can, I can cheesecake. That's, I, you can't mess with your boy with cheesecake. Uh, <laughs> Is that a challenge? Hey, Gene, you stop talking to me. I hang up on you. Start talking about challenging me on cheesecake now. I don't know. You know, our relationship gonna go south. You start messing with my cheesecake now. You got it. This is your show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, see, I said y'all early, I couldn't make no cupcakes. I told y'all that. I was very humble. I was willing to confess the ignorance of cupcake. And, and you went, that's so easy. I can't believe you that stupid. That's all you said right there. <laughs> we got to see you some recipes. I'm going to tell you something. I look at that little cupcake. Because see, see cupcakes, 
get to me because you have so many different cupcakes. You had the big old jumbo cupcake. It'd be huge and be flowing on. I can never make that one. I, I can swear to you, I can't make it. And then people tell me, Rashawn, you're filling it up too much. And then I'm trying to figure out how do I get my little cupcake to rise and then hold that that that, that crown, that, like, mm-hmm. that yeah. dome look. That's where I'm at, Jen. That's what your boy can't do. I have tried. What am I doing wrong, Rob? I'm going to stop talking to her, Rob. Rob, help me out, bro. Help a brother out, Rob. Because she's laughing at me too much, bro. She's laughing at me too much. The problem is you got way too many talents. I mean, you're a writer, a producer, you think. I mean, you name it, you do it. I mean, you can't do them all. I got to do this because, see, you know, because, you know, the thing about it is that I'm always one of these people that I enjoy life. That's what, see, that's why I, I wanted to get you guys on, not only interview about your business, Start Small, Win Big Academy, but about relationships. And I know that that's key. And the home environment is key, too. Whether you're in business or not, what do you bring home? If you're having a good day at business, are you bringing that good day at home? Or are you bringing a consistent personality at home? I had a bad day. I'm coming home feeling bad and putting that on top of the children, putting that on top of the wife and and then waking up the next day, carrying that same negative energy back out the door and it creates confusion. And so the relationship power of what you have to talk about leads into banking, credit, your customers, customer service. And so you guys are dealing with people who may be in business or who have a home business, they're trying to expand beyond that or never even thought about it, but just a great chefs or great pastry chefs at their house. And somebody has told them they got a good, great cookie recipe. Let's, let's go to each level of that conversation. Let's go to the person who somebody has told them, they know, boy, those cookies are good. You need to stop giving them away. You need to start selling. Let's talk about how do you communicate with that person? It's all about what are your goals? I always ask two questions on my interviews. I do one-on-one booking uh, strategy calls as right, well. Right, right. So I always ask, number one, why is this so important for you right now? What does this mean? What does getting this business up and running mean to you? Number one, and I don't want to hear nothing about, oh, people said my cookies taste good. I should sell them. Or, oh, I just love the way people, you know, dance when they taste my cookies. No. <laughs> what does this mean to you, to your family, to your life, right? What kind of legacy you're trying to leave? And number two, what if it doesn't go well? What if it doesn't pan out, Right. And then I want to hear that person say, because I know that they're serious. I want to hear that person say, well, this, that's not an option. Failure is not an option, Jen. I'm not even thinking about that. That's what I want to hear from that person, because now I know I can take my time with them mm-hmm. and I can put my all into them and work hard on their business as well, because I know that they're going to go all the way through versus the person who is just doing it because someone told them, oh, your cookies are great, you know. There's a huge difference between that CEO, that business owner mindset versus just, you know, an entrepreneur mindset. It's a difference. Well, you know, the COVID has really changed online business because people now will order immediately, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that's when you get into the dry eyes, the ship, who's your primary shipper? How do you build the cost into your overall pricing? Now we... We just talked about the person who has the great idea. Like you said, people dance when they eat their little pie. You be like, girl, you need to, oh, Lord, have mercy. That's a good, good, good pie right there. Now we got a person who has the business. You know, they, you know, they were hit by COVID and they trying to get a business loan or they're trying to do a financial model. Let's talk about that person. How do you communicate with that person there? 
You got it? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, we, we, we go right back to, you know, the name of the course, start small and win big, you know, mm-hmm. um, for people in that situation, you can't start off big, you know, and there's nothing wrong with starting off small. We let people know that all the time because that's how we started. Mm-hmm. You start off with what you got. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to make it work, you start off with what you got. You mm-hmm. Start off small. You start selling, you know, here and there. Um, you, you get your product out there. That's the main point. Because the money will come. We always let them know the money will come later on. But the, the most important thing is to perfect your skills right now. Mm-hmm. Are you able to be a salesperson? You know, that's also important. If you can't sell your product, what good is it? So we, we, we teach people the skills that they need on the back end in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, so when they do get the money or acquire it, whatever way it takes them to, they'll be ready for that. So there's always something to do. There's never no reason to stand still. And that's that's very important. Just because you don't have the money does not mean that you can't do the rest of the legwork. And there's a lot. You know that. Absolutely. You know? I think that the number one problem that people have in business, and I had it too, because I, I, I opened a comedy club and didn't have a business plan nowhere. I just thought, hey, I sell this ticket. I didn't know about taxes. I didn't know about the liquor tax. You know, I just I just saw ten dollars and didn't realize what all came out of that ten dollars. You know, yeah. employment and hiring people come out of that ten dollars. Taxes you got to pay, admission taxes for the tickets I sold at the door. The liquor sales came out of that. That ten dollar kept getting smaller and smaller. And, then, <laughs> and that's that's what we see. We just see. That 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 dollar amount. So when you when you when you were talking, because you have a number of successful uh, ebooks that are selling them, I think like a CEO Baker's Edition and things like that. With these books available, are they available on Amazon? Where are these uh, ebooks available right now? No, they're on our website, um, uh, robinjimmars.com, um, and you can also get to that from our Instagram too. And so the ebook is a layout; it's a blueprint written for you, right. and we put tons of examples in there because you know real life examples. Because we're not just the people you know who are just going to give you business jargon, you know, business names, um, you know, market analysis, and things like that. That goes off of pe- over people's heads, right? We really want to break this thing down for you for that person who's never seen business, who's never been a part of business, and that's a lot of our people, that's a lot of African-Americans, that we have this knack and talent, right? And we're born with these gifts. We can cook, we can bake, we can sew, we can do all of these things, but there's no, um, there was no visual for them to see the business Mm -hmm. plan, to see the business structure and layout. So they don't know these terms, but they do know when somebody's saying, listen, you're, you have an eight inch pound cake, double layer frosting, right? And you only selling it for $25 and you think, oh, you're getting 10 orders. No, you're getting 10 orders a day because you're selling it for $25. So let's break this thing down and get this thing sold for $50 so you can actually be a profit to move to the next level, right? You know, so it's just things like that, that we, we make it as, as fun as possible, as easy as possible. But the point is we're trying to teach our people, you know, business, something that we didn't grow up. Well, you know, some Jen and Rob, when you just said that about the $25 cake, just as an example, that's the big fear. You know, you know, I, I will people buy a $30 cake? Will they buy 35 It's your value. And also, what's your business model, you know, and how you promote it? Because that's really the key, because people are, are in a break-even business right there because they don't know how to price. Yes. Mm-hmm. They don't look at what their competitors are selling. That's also smart. They see right. what your competitors are selling that cake at, that donut at, at that croissant mm-hmm. or that cupcake at. And so you'll know how to go about looking at it from a longer term 
perspective because when I look at when I when I look at trying to talk to entrepreneurs, I try to talk to them from a from a natural standpoint. You said something very key to me. I hate reading motivational books when people are, are not successful. When people write a lot, there's a lot of people write books like that. They're not successful. And they write. They motivate you. I don't know where they motivate you from where. You know, do you have money in the bank? You know, they got financial books. What do you say? You know, and so and that's what I'm recommending. You guys are coming from a point of reality. This is what you guys have been successful as a living. Now you went online to show other people a point of reference. You're not, well, you, you, like we, we joke about the baking, we joke about the cupcake, but this is what you do. Okay, and so that is not what I do. If I come on here talking about, hey, I'm gonna tell y'all how to make a good bakery. Now people might listen to me because of Rashad McDonald, but I advise yeah. you listen to Robert Jen. That's what they do. <laughs> that you know, I, I I tell you a good story on what you should do and how much that cupcake should cost and how pretty it looked and some decorations, but the manufacturing, where to go get it, what hour, what time you need, what time you need to make sure it gets in that in the in the, in the shelf so you can get rid of it and get it sold. How many you should make prior to opening your door? That is yeah. not me. And there are people out there selling. Uh, I always talk Willie Fufu tickets. That's what I call. Them. Foolish tickets. <laughs> you guys are the real deal, Robert Jen Morris. I'm so happy to bring you on the show because I like reality. And what I want to do is I want to make sure I promote you because I would do a weekly newsletter. And I want to make sure I promote that in my newsletter so we can encourage people to go to your Thursday live sessions and start just listening. To, and listening and start building your brand because that's what Money Making Conversations is all about. Thank you. We appreciate that so much. It's so important for us to get this out here because like I said, we as a people are amazing. Okay. And it's not enough anymore in 2021 to keep our greatness a well-kept secret as a side hustle. Okay. I'm done with that side hustling. We are out here. We have to just rebuild this economic community within ourselves and rebuild everything. And, you know, um, Black Wall Street, let's get this back up and running, right? right? Within our own communities. And that's what we're here to do. We are here. We've lost so many businesses, Black-owned businesses, all businesses, but we're here to help them rebuild these businesses on this community, in these communities. So that's what we're passionate about now, Rashawn. And it feels good. Well, you look good. You look good. Like, you know, so if y'all was ugly, on the on TV, I say we need to do this uh, audio wide, but y'all look good. Your teeth white. That's all good sign. Ain't no, ain't, ain't no, ain't no, ain't no teeth missing. Ain't no crooked teeth. You know, y'all looking successful. That's a, y'all casual. Ain't nobody sweating. That's all good. But I, I just want to appreciate y'all taking the time to come on my show and talk about your academy. And my job is now to promote what you're doing, get the word out. So send us some banners so we can get the word out about your academy. I definitely want to promote your e online books that have been so successful in the past currently selling and drive people to your website. Thank you, Robin Jen Morris. Straight out of Philadelphia. They got straight out of Compton. They straight out of Philly. Hey. <laughs> hey, thank you so much. We appreciate, we appreciate it. it. You are now tuned into the Money Making Conversations Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald. Grammy Award nominated singer Kiara Shear Kelly's new book, Big, Bold, and Beautiful Owning the Woman God Made You to Be, is a must read as she shares her advice on body positivity, goal setting, and leading with your gifts. 
everything should not be taken personally. So I absolutely agree with you. And if we don't have that understanding, and if we're always taking things personally, we'll always be responding to any and everything to where it'll take so much energy, it'll shift our focus off of what we really should be focused on. And so I have had to learn that the picture is bigger than me. It's it's so far beyond one moment. Like be a student at every opportunity you get. But even in the uh, book I talk about, it's a chapter called Making the Most of Every Opportunity. Yes, ma'am. If you want to hear this full interview with Kiara Sheard Kelly, visit MoneyMakingConversations.com. Keep winning. In this season of giving, Kohl's has gifts for all your loved ones. For those who like to keep it cozy, find fleeces, sweaters, loungewear, blankets, and throws. Or support minority-owned or founded brands by giving gifts from Human Nation and Shea Moisture. And in the spirit of giving, Kohl's Cares is donating $8 million to local nonprofits nationwide. Give with all your heart this season with great gifts from Kohl's or Kohl's.com. Thunderstruck. Adjective. Shocked and amazed by the power of fun on Carnival. Riding Bolt, the world's first roller coaster at sea, Brian got thunderstruck so hard, his 93-year-old grandmother felt it 3,000 miles away in Nebraska and immediately booked a cruise. Hooray! Get thunderstruck starting at 289. Carnival. Choose fun. Cruises are in U.S. dollars per person, double occupancy. Taxes, fees, import expenses, additional restrictions apply. Full details on Carnival.com. Ships registry, Bahamas, Panama. Hey, what's up? It's your man Carlos Miller of the 85 South Show. And do me a favor. Make sure you check out The Black Market, hosted by me, only on the 85 South Show feed. Subscribe to the 85 South Show to hear and tune in to The Black Market. Hear amazing interviews with entrepreneurs, creatives, and thought leaders, people who are doing amazing things in the black community. Listen to The Black Market on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.